she was actually found floating in the river um, in front of her house um, several, many weeks, I think, after she went missing. So it is widely believed that she, her ghost still haunts um, that area in Elizabeth City. a special Fright Court episode of All Things Judicial. This one is going to be a little different than our usual podcast, but have no fear. We'll get back to the usual format in two weeks. In the meantime, sit back and enjoy a true story about one of North Carolina's most famous murders told by state archivist Sarah Kuntz. Next, we take you along on a real-life ghost hunt in one of North Carolina's oldest courthouses. If you aren't scared enough, you can watch the investigation on YouTube. Just search for NC Courts. Pasquotank County, North Carolina, is home to Elizabeth City, which is, and always has been, its cultural and economic center. Known as the Harbor of Hospitality, Elizabeth City is a historic shipping town located on the Pasquotank River. It's because of its location that Elizabeth City saw an influx of prosperous young entrepreneurs from northern states. Perhaps it was the opportunity to strike it rich that brought William and Mary Cropsey and their children from New York to Elizabeth City in 1898. The Cropsey family had 10 children in all, six of which were daughters. In the late 19th century, dating life looked a lot different than it does today. But this is a true crime story that sounds all too familiar. A woman rejects or is rejected by a man, and she disappears soon thereafter. Young Nell Cropsey met a man named William Wilcox on the fateful night of November the 20th, 1901. In a tragic turn of events, Nell would soon go missing, and Wilcox would become a name in one of the most infamous murder cases in the history of the Supreme Court of North Carolina. State V. Wilcox. I had the opportunity to visit State Archivist Sarah Kuntz at the North Carolina State Archives Building to inspect the original court records of State V. Wilcox. There, I learned that Defendant Wilcox appeared not once, but twice before the Supreme Court of North Carolina. These are, these are two boxes that contain Two cases um, related to the same man, James Wilcox. Wilcox was accused of killing um, Nell Cropsey. For those of you that are interested in ghost stories in North Carolina, this is a fairly famous unsolved murder. Um, The Cropsey family had moved to Elizabeth City 
in the late 1800s. And Nell was the um, a daughter of in the Cropsey family. And she had a boyfriend named James Wilcock Cox. He was the son of a former sheriff. And um, they were, she was last seen um, one evening. He had come for a visit and they were on her family porch. Um, and they were heard arguing because she wanted to, uh, more of a commitment in their relationship and, and he didn't want to. And so um, he supposedly went home. She goes missing. The sister wakes up and realizes that she's not in the bedroom with them, alerts the father, and she's missing, and nobody could find her. Nell's sister, Ollie, testified that a little after 11, Jim Wilcox left to go home, and Nell followed him to the front porch. Jim Wilcox testified that he last saw her standing on the porch as he left. Ollie, who shared a room with Nell, said that at about 12.30 or 1 a.m., she woke up and saw that her sister was not in bed. She had been awakened by dogs barking near the barn, and she testified that she heard someone call for her papa to, quote, get his gun, that someone was in there. And she sat up to see if Nell was in bed. The fearful family searched around the house until all were crying. Then, quote, Papa and Uncle Henry went over to see if Jim Wilcox was home. At about 2 a.m., they brought Wilcox back to the house. Ollie testified, quote, And Mama went over and took hold of his arm and said, Jim, for my sake and for your mother's sake, tell me where Nell is. Jim answered, quote, I could swear that I could not say where she is. I left her on the porch. I could swear and kiss a Bible I don't know. I left her on the porch crying. Right away, suspicion turns to him, and um, he is put in jail. And the first trial, which is this is the first Supreme Court case from 1902, and if you open the folder, you can see it's quite voluminous, just reams of paper. Um, and this time it's typed. So just a few years from the previous case, it's all typewritten. It's really literally like a transcript from the lower court. So down to the point where it's like question, answer of witnesses, a transcript of the trial. So closer to what we think of more in terms of modern day court records um, that you might find. Um, but he was he was convicted of murder. But part of the reason why the case was overturned the first time in 1902 in the Supreme Court was because they felt like he could not get a fair trial. The townsfolk were so rowdy and so convinced of his guilt, even though there really was no evidence against him. It was all circumstantial. Um, she was actually found floating in the river um, in front of her house um, several, many weeks, I think, after she went missing. And um, she had been, I believe, struck in the back of the head, but there's nothing to tie him to this crime other than he was the last person with her. But they were so rowdy the townsfolk about him that they completely disrupted trial, the trial in the lower court in just unbelievable ways, cheering, shouting, carrying on. And so his original verdict was overturned. Um, and that's the first case. 
but they didn't want to let it sit there. And so the, he's accused again and he's tried again and found guilty. And he makes his way back up to the Supreme Court. And I believe this one is 1903. And he was convicted of a, of a lesser charge, um, I believe, in 1903. And later, the governor did commute his sentence, uh, pardoned him. So um, and shortly before uh, James Wilcox passed away, he had given testimony to a, a reporter. And it's, it's widely believed that he may be innocent. He might have been um, innocent. But the townsfolk were just absolutely convinced of it. And they were very disruptive throughout the whole process um, and didn't really ever want to consider any other um, possibilities than him. So just a famous, uh, very famous case in that it's, you know, kind of unsolved. Are there any legends associated with her today? Uh, yeah, I believe there's lots of ghost stories surrounding her that people say that they still see her. Uh, the house is still um, up in Elizabeth City. Um, including when she was found um, floating in the river, they the townsfolk all gathered and they did this like immediate impromptu coroner's inquest on the property, on her parents' property in a shed that still remains out behind the building. And they gathered really quickly to kind of do that autopsy and try to make a determination of how she died. So it is widely believed that she, her ghost still haunts um, that area in Elizabeth City. Content of the next segment is for entertainment purposes only and contains unverified claims by anonymous individuals. All characters and events depicted in this segment are entirely fictitious. Any similarity to actual events or persons, living or dead, is purely coincidental. I'm Chris Mears. I'm a team member of the Freight Court Paranormal Investigative Team. This is our first investigation. We are here in Cumberland County at the old Cumberland County Courthouse. On the fourth floor of this building is an old jail. That's the center of paranormal activity, and that's where our team is going to be today. Hi, I'm Brianna Goins, and I am here with the Freight Court Paranormal Investigative Team, and we are in the old Cumberland County Courthouse. My teammates and I were asked to come in to investigate some of the paranormal activity that may have happened throughout the jails here. People were experiencing fits of cold spells. Um, they felt like things were touching them. Are North Carolina courthouses haunted? You be the judge. Walking through this entryway here, this leads us right into the jail cell area where inmates were housed. And as you can see, things are very creepy. The paint is peeling, the floors are completely washed out. Do you think there's something here? 
Is there anyone here that's trying to contact us? Did you hear that? I didn't hear anything. I heard it in the, in the headphones. It sounded like someone said, help me. Is there anyone here that wants to tell us anything or contact us? Dude, something just touched me, I swear to God. Oh my God. I feel flushed, my, my face feels hot. I, I, I'm not getting good vibes here. The energy here feels very, very forceful. Almost as if people are trying to escape. So we're gonna head right around the corner here into a room that was referred to as solitary confinement. And this is where some of the worst inmates were held. Just take a look at the paint on the walls. It's almost as if they were scraping it with their hands, just going insane. Does it feel a bit colder in here to you? It seemed like the temperature changed as soon as we walked into this room. I'm, I'm freezing. I don't like this. I don't like this at all. If you shine the light down here, you can see a whole row of jail cells. There's about 10 or so jail cells here all in a row. They're all controlled by mechanical gear. Inside these jail cells, you see three bunks and a toilet. Paint is peeling off of the bars. Steel metal walls with peeling paint. You can just feel the despair of the people who were once housed here. Graffiti covers the walls from inmates who had painful experiences long ago. You can see religious symbolism in the graffiti. Perhaps folks who were housed here were looking for hope. So I'm inside of jail cell number two, and I gotta tell you, I have the most uneasy feeling being in here. I'm ready to get out of here, Bree. Will you let me out? Bree? You definitely feel a presence here. Is there anybody here? What happened? What was that? My batteries are drained. The camera doesn't work? I'm Graham Wilson, the Communications Director at the Judicial Branch of North Carolina. When we first started Fright Court Investigations, we had no idea the impact it would make. By helping this courthouse in Cumberland County, we probably could help every other courthouse in North Carolina. Hey Graham, how are you? I'm good, how are you? Good. What's hey, going, what's going how's on? How's it going? Well, we've got some great stuff for you. Really? Yeah. Um, Bree and I completed our investigation in Cumberland County and um, we have actual evidence that the jail is haunted. We left a camera recording as we were packing up. We angled the camera so it was shooting down a dark hallway and we actually caught a shadow figure. 
As you can see, the figure is walking down the hallway. That, that's incredible. That really should explain a lot for the people in Cumberland County. The next thing I want to show you is some electronic voice phenomenon that we captured up in the jail. Bree caught an EVP on the microphone. She heard it in her headset. First, I'm going to play the regular audio, which you won't hear anything, and then the microphone audio, which will play the EVP. Is there anyone here that's trying to contact us? Did you hear that? I didn't hear anything. And now for the audio that came through on the microphone. Is there anyone here that's trying to contact us? Listen carefully. Did you hear that? I didn't hear anything. A disembodied voice coming from a jail cell that said, help me. It's amazing. I don't know what to say. <laughs> I can't believe that you got that. Great job. That's, that's just, that's incredible. How could we get to the bottom of it? Yeah. I think the folks down in Cumberland County will be pleased. You will be. That does it for this special Fright Court edition of All Things Judicial. Remember to check out the Fright Court Investigations video on YouTube. Just search for NC Courts. Remember to rate, review, and share our podcast. It really helps to get the word out about the positive things we do in the judicial branch. We'll return with our regular podcast format in two weeks. And keep all things judicial. Judicial.